Okay, so we're in, we're in uh, Joshua chapter 15, and this morning we're going to bite off a bigger chunk of Joshua, okay? So get your steak knife out. And uh, we're going to go all the way from Joshua chapter 15 through to chapter 19, and we're coming to this section, diving into this section that describes a lot of the inheritance of God's people as they enter into the promised land and that which the various tribes are going to receive. So, you know, I don't know, you get to these points, maybe in your daily Bible reading, your own personal reading, you come to a book of Joshua and you land in a spot like this and you're like, oh boy, this is going to be a tough morning reading the Bible. And, it, and so imagine my spot having to teach it. Okay, so yeah, you know, it might, might seem a little bit tedious, might seem a little bit uninspiring, but we'll try and um, draw some truth out of here and make it practical for us and discover, you know, what's in here as Israel, as the tribes of Israel are entering into their unique place that God had for them in the promised land. And it's just kind of cool to think about it because it's important to recognize that, that their inheritance mattered uh, because the Lord gave it to them. And each one of us has an inheritance in the Lord. We've got a unique place in the body of Christ, a place that God has called us to serve and to function. And so chapter 15 and really 16 and 17 uh, starts out by describing the portions of land that two tribes received, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Joseph. And the tribe of Joseph, now the tribe of Joseph was both of Joseph's sons received an inheritance because Levi didn't get an inheritance. So I'm going to refer to the tribe of Joseph, but as I do this morning, we're talking about Ephraim and Manasseh. And these two tribes, the tribe of Judah and Joseph, received um, the forfeited birthright of Reuben. And Judah is described in the scripture, the tribe of Judah is described like a lion. We call Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the titles of Jesus. Now, like a lion, what we're going to see here is that Judah received its inheritance. It was positioned in the south, and I almost think of like a crouching lion. They were there positioned to protect Israel uh, from the south, to guard the south. I remember when I was a little kid, my, my grandparents lived in Tawasson before they left Vancouver. They retired out to Armstrong and had a farm. But in Tawasson, when I was a real little kid, all I remember about my grandparents' house is this, is that when you came through the front door, there was this big wide staircase up to the main area of the house. And at the bottom of the staircase was a concrete lion at either side of the staircase. And as a little kid, I remember being totally terrified, petrified, paralyzed at the bottom of the stairs, wondering if I was ever going to be able to get to my family that was upstairs. Because to do it, I was going to have to get past these two lions. And that was like the tribe of Judah here. They're positioned like a lion to guard Israel from the south. Then you have the tribes of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim. That uh, The Bible actually describes them not like a lion. The, descri the Bible describes Manasseh and Ephraim like a bull, which is not any less powerful than a lion, maybe a little more peaceful, maybe a little more freaky, but a, bit, a, a little less freaky, but a, a bull can certainly do its damage. And so these tribes were placed to the north to defend the nation of Israel. So the division of the land begins with Judah and Joseph. Let's check it out. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, the allotment for the tribe of the people of Judah according to their clans. Now, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to just 
put this up on the screen for you for a moment, a map, okay? And, and maybe you want to turn to the back of your Bible at different points today. You could just reference, most Bibles have a map in the back. I'm not going to keep popping this up here, but we're going to be just talking about the division of this land. So you can see Judah in the south. You can see Ephraim, Manasseh, the yellow and the green, how they're just positioned to completely defend to the north and the south. And you might want to just reference a map while we're going through here. So maybe even on your phone, you want to pull one up of the tribes of of Israel, okay? So when Jacob blessed his sons, he spoke of Judah and he said this, your brothers shall praise you. The name Judah means praise. Jacob said, your brothers will praise you and the scepter will not depart from you. The the royal line of the Messiah shall not leave your tribe. We know this, David came from the tribe of Judah. And when David uh, became the king of Judah, David was first the king of Judah before he was ever the king of Israel. In fact, he was the king of Judah for seven years before all of the tribes of Israel came and said, we want you to be king not just over Judah, but over all of us. And in those first seven years while David reigned, he ruled from the city of Hebron. We talked about Hebron last week quite a bit. It's a city that Caleb conquered for the Lord. There were giants in that city. Caleb received it as his inheritance, and he went and he defeated all of the giants in the city of Hebron. Hebron was significant, geographically significant, but significant in the history of God's people because it had been the place where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had all made their homes. And, and so when, when David became king, the first place where he set up his throne of rule was in the city of Hebron. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Your brothers shall praise you. Moses spoke a blessing over the tribe of Judah and he said this, Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah. Lord, when Judah calls on you, it's interesting. Hear, O Lord, praise. When we sing out in praise. Hear, O Lord, the voice of praise. Um, Moses said, with your hands, Lord, contend for Judah. Help Judah against his adversaries. You know, the Lord has promised in his word that not only will he hear the voice of Judah, but he will hear the voice of anyone who calls on his name. Anyone. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what the scripture says. And Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, the royal tribe. Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess, the Bible says, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I love this because... The Lord says of Judah, Lord, hear Judah's voice when Judah calls out, to, calls out to you. Look at the Lord wants to hear our voice, church. The Lord listens to the voice of those who call upon him. The Lord in his word says, call upon me and I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So we get the tribe of Judah, a little bit of a picture of Jesus, but let's read on about Judah. It says in verse 13, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, He gave to Caleb, the son of Jepunaheh, a portion among the people of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak, and Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. And he went up against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath Sefer. 
And Caleb said, whoever strikes Kiriath-sephir and captures it, to him I will give Aksah, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it, and he gave him Aksah, his daughter, as wife. And when she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you've given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper and the lower springs. This is the tribe of Judah. Aksa, this daughter of Caleb, called on her father. She said, Father, bless me. Father, bless me. And, and so too, I just love this picture. Look, at we have a father upon whom we can call and he'll bless us. He listens to those who call upon his name. And we have a father in heaven who desires to show himself to those who call upon his name. Caleb gave to his daughter the upper and the lower springs. This is a great picture here. It's a picture of the work of the Spirit, you know. Uh, Jesus said this, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the woman at the well, if she realized who he was, she would have asked him for living water and he would have given it to her. She said, sir, where do I get this water? He said to her, whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty forever and the water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I just think, hey, these are some of the beautiful pictures that we see in the tribe of Judah as they enter into their inheritance. That's what I just want to do this morning. Just grab some of the pictures that we see in these tribes. But it says this in verse 63. If you look at chapter 15, verse 63. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. There's going to be this constant theme. I'm not going to land down on it, but every tribe, it says this, every tribe, it speaks of the inhabitants of the land that they were unable to drive out in their inheritance. Now let's jump up to chapter 16. It says this in verse 1. The allotment of the people of Joseph went from the Jordan by Jericho, east of the waters of Jericho, into the wilderness, going up from Jericho into the hill country to Bethel. Now, Jacob said this about his son, Joseph, who fathered Ephraim and Manasseh. He said, Joseph is like a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. He said about Joseph, may the God of your father help you by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings from above. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Now, just like Joseph, Joseph was set apart from his brothers. We see this as we read the story of Genesis and the account, the, the, color, the, the code of many colors that Joseph received that identified him as the special, unique, honored son of the father. Just like Joseph was set apart amongst his brothers. So the book of Romans tells us that Jesus is set apart amongst all people. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For those who, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed 
to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, in Christ Jesus, as we put our faith in Jesus, we know this, that we've been brought into a family. We've been brought into the family of God, the household of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, in the church. But just like Joseph, Jesus is set apart and unique from the brothers and sisters of of the family of God. Jesus is the firstborn among many. The position of first of preeminence. And Joseph was called a fruitful bow of a branch. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We know this. Our abundance, our fruitfulness comes from abiding in Jesus, the one who is the firstborn. Now Moses spoke of Joseph and he said this about these tribes. He said, Blessed by the Lord be his land. May he produce choice fruits. What a great picture of Jesus. As we abide in Jesus, he wants to produce fruit, uh, choice fruits, the finest produce in our lives. Now verse 4 says this, chapter 16. The people of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, received their inheritance. So there it is, the two tribes that make up Joseph. Now verse 10 says, However... Speaking of Ephraim, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. So there it is again. Enemy is not completely drived out. Now let's jump all the way to chapter 17 here. We're just going to move real quick in 17. Boy, this is like, wow. Hey, chapter 17, verse 1. Then describes the allotment. The allot- then allotment was made for the, to the people of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph. Manasseh was a very big, big tribe. They received, half of their tribe received an inheritance on one side of the Jordan River. The other half of them received an inheritance on the other side of the Jordan River. Big tribe, a powerful tribe amongst the largest in God's people. But look what verse 12 says of chapter 17. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. We spent a longer look here with regards to Manasseh. It tells us that they were dealing with Canaanites who had iron chariots and were powerful in the land. And though they were a mighty force themselves, they were unable to drive them out completely. So here we have, you know, Judah to the south, the lion protecting Israel. We've got the, the two tribes of Joseph to the north protecting the boundary land. And after these two tribes had received their inheritance, we, re- we read next what happens. Okay, so these two tribes first receive their inheritance. Then check out chapter 18, verse 1. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh, and they set up the tent of meeting there. The land laid subdued before them. So once these two tribes receive their inheritance, the north is locked up, the south is locked up, the tabernacle is moved. We've talked much about the, city, the area of Gilgal, where they first set up the tabernacle when they came into the promised land. It's now picked up and it's moved to this area called Shiloh. 
And Shiloh is where they set up the tent of meeting, set up this tabernacle right there in uh, the heart of the land of Canaan. If you were to look at a map, if you were to have your map of your of the tribes open there, you would see this, that Shiloh is at the very center of the land of Israel. In fact, they couldn't have chosen an area closer uh, to the heart of the entire land. And it's placed there, the tabernacle is placed there because uh, right in the heart of the land because the heart of God's people is to be this, is to be a heart of worship. Uh, I've never been to this spot called Shiloh when we've done our trips to Israel. It's not one we, that I visited, but as you read about it, they say this about Shiloh, that there's nothing striking about it. There's nothing that like makes it unique or distinguishes it geographically in the land of Israel, except that it's the center point of the land as the, tribe, as the tribes inherited uh, their allotments. And it was surrounded by these two strongest tribes. And the name Shiloh means rest or means peace. And Jesus... As the scripture tells us, we know this, that he is our prince of peace. Jesus is our rest, the book of Hebrews tells us. And there's this great picture here that is the tabernacles set up in the center of the land. So Jesus is to be at the center of the heart of his people, the center of our worship, the center of the church, the center of our lives. When Jesus is at the center, and we gather around Jesus, and we come together in loving fellowship around Jesus, and Jesus is put right at the heart of what we do. God's people experience His rest. They experience His peace in their hearts and in their minds. And, you know, I just think this, if, if Israel entering the land of Canaan pictures for us the Christian entering into the life of promise, the Spirit-led life, then that is a life that has to be centered around Jesus. Jesus gives us rest as we put him at the center of our lives. Jesus, be the center. Now check out verse 2. It says this. Speaks of the other tribes. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, how long will you put off going to take possession of the land? which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. Provide three men from each tribe, and I will send them out that they may set out and go up and down the land. They shall write a description of it with a view to their inheritances, and then, they shall and then come to me. They shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall continue in his territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall continue in their territory on the north. And you shall describe the land in seven divisions and bring the description here to me and I will cast lots for you here before the Lord. The Levites have no portion among you for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. And Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan eastward, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to them. Verse 8. So the man arose and went. Joshua charged those who went to write the description of the land, saying, Go up and down in the land and write a description and return to me, and I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went, and they passed up and down in the land, and they wrote in a book a description of it by its towns in seven divisions. Then they came to Joshua to the camp at Shiloh, and Joshua cast lots 
for them in Shiloh before the Lord, and there the and there Joseph or sorry Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel to each his portion. So seven tribes uh, divide up the land here into seven portions. They they fill in all the gaps around these two big tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Joseph, and they send out these twenty one men to survey the land, to write a description. It's interesting just to think, hey man, how did the Israelites learn how to survey land? (laughs) I'll tell you how they learned while they were in slavery building monuments in Egypt. They learned how to survey land. And it was those who were under the age of 20 who had come out of slavery who were still alive to enter into the promised land here led by Joshua. Now it says in verse 11, as it describes now, these lots are going to be handed out. Joshua is going to draw them out. So verse 11, chapter 18. The lot of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to its clans, came up. And the territory allotted to it fell between the people of Judah and the people of Joseph. Now Benjamin, we know about Benjamin in Scripture. Benjamin was the younger brother of Joseph. So it's interesting, the, the, the second son of the two sons of Rachel, born of Rachel's womb. It's interesting that he comes right after Joseph here. And Jacob blessed him and said this, many years before, generations before, Jacob, Jacob said, in the morning, Benjamin will devour his prey, and in the evening, he'll divide the spoils. And when you read about the tribe of Benjamin in Scripture, you discover this, that there were no more fierce warriors in all of Israel than the tribe of Benjamin. There's lots of credit and glory given to them within the Scriptures. I mean, this tribe even had an inordinate number of left-handed warriors. I mean, the, the Scripture describes they could use the sling with left hand or right hand, and they could pitch a rock and split a hair, and they had hundreds and hundreds of warriors that were like this. At one time in the book of Judges, Benjamin got into a conflict with all the other 11 tribes of Israel, and with 20,000 men, they laid a can of whoop on uh, all of Israel who had an army of 400,000. Benjamin was outnumbered 20 to 1, and they beat up on their brothers, the other tribes. And, and, and so interesting here that Jacob says, man, in the morning, Benjamin will devour his prey. In the evening, he will divide the spoil. King Saul came from the tribe of Benjamin. Moses, when he spoke his blessing over the tribe of Benjamin, he called Benjamin the beloved, the beloved of the Lord who would dwell in safety. Moses said, the high God surrounds him all day and dwells between his shoulders. It makes me think of Jesus. You know what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus? He said this, behold my servant who who I have chosen, my beloved, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit in him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. On the day that Jesus was baptized when he went down into the waters of the Jordan River. As he came up out of the water, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove, and a voice spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. 
And the Bible just tells us this about God's beloved son, his only begotten son. That God so loved the world that he gave that son. He gave his one and only son. He gave his only begotten. He gave his beloved son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Moses said, Benjamin's like a beloved son. The beloved son of all sons is Jesus. And, and Moses said, may God surround Benjamin. You know where I take encouragement with this? The scripture says this, that the Lord surrounds everyone who makes Jesus their dwelling place. If you make Jesus your dwelling place, the Lord surrounds you. He protects you. Turn with me to chapter 19. Boy, I told you we're going to go fast. Eh? We've covered four chapters already. Chapter 19, verse 1 says this, The second lot came out for Simeon. For the tribe of the people of Simeon, according to their clans and their inheritance, was in the midst of the inheritance of the people of Judah. So Judah's portion was so big and just so massive geographically that the Lord gave Simeon an allotment right in the middle of Judah. So they were surrounded by Judah. And Simeon, Simeon, the tribe of Simeon came from the son of Jacob, Simeon, who was actually his firstborn. His firstborn, uh, his firstborn the firstborn of Jacob, he was responsible for the murder of the entire, an entire city. When, when his sister uh, got raped by uh, a man from the town of Shechem, Simeon and along with Levi actually were responsible for the murder of the entire city. They went and sought, sought revenge. And it was an act of uh, revenge that was not, you know, something the Lord had commanded, not a justice, an act of justice that the Lord had commanded or that his father Jacob had commanded. And Jacob said, because, because of what you've done, you've brought reproach on me. You've brought reproach on my name. You've brought reproach on Israel, you have made us a thorn in the side of our neighbors. And, and Jacob said, uh, the right of firstborn will pass over you. It'll pass from Simeon to Judah. And when Jacob blessed his sons, he said this, let Simeon be divided among Jacob. Now it's interesting here, Simeon received its inheritance within the boundaries of Judah's in inheritance. And Simeon's Portion was in the southernmost part of the land of Israel, the southernmost part of, of Judah. And eventually, Simeon just kind of disappeared, the whole tribe. They just got absorbed by the people of Judah, and Simeon was divided, just like Jacob had prophesied and spoken amongst Jacob. You know, the soldiers who arrested Jesus on the night that he was betrayed said this, speaking to one another, they said, let us, speaking of the clothes that they took from Jesus, the garments, they said, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it and see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Simeon was divided, dispersed amongst the people of God. Jesus' garments were divided, and he was crucified. And he was crucified so that we might share, actually, so that he might rescue us and we might share in his inheritance. It's amazing to think about this. Simeon was divided and absorbed into the tribe of Judah. 
Jesus' garments were divided and Jesus absorbed us into himself that he might save us. He took us into himself, bore our sin in his body. It's the tribe of Simeon. Verse 10 tells us about the next tribe, the third lot, came up for the people of Zebulun, according to their clans. Jacob spoke about Zebulun and he said this, Zebulun will dwell by the shore of the sea and be a haven for ships. And don't you, isn't that beautiful? Boy, Laura Gibson's was just hopping down here yesterday. There was sailboats out there everywhere, people out on their powerboats everywhere. I'm looking forward to getting into the ocean this afternoon. It's going to be a hot day. Don't you love the ocean? Zebulun was placed by the, the ocean. Uh, his portion was actually between the Great Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The unlimited treasures of the ocean were his to explore and, and bounty from the ocean to be taken. Uh, Ze- Zebulun, Jacob said, will dwell by the shore and be a haven for ships. I like that word haven as I was looking at this. You know, Jesus is a haven. Jesus is a shelter. Jesus is a refuge. Jesus is a safe harbor. Those who have been tossed by the raging seas of this world, Jesus is a place of sanctuary. Jesus, in Jesus there is safety. In Jesus there is security. The fourth lot came out for Issachar. Verse 17, the fourth lot came out for Issachar for the people of Issachar according to their clans. Jacob said this about Issachar. He said, Issachar is strong. And he saw that his resting place was good and that his land was pleasant. The inheritance of Issachar was in the, the valley of Jezreel, where the battle of the, the valley of Megiddo, the, the valley where the battle of Armageddon is going to take place. It's part of the Galilee, stretches from Mount Carmel to the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of like the breadbasket of Israel. And Moses spoke of Zebulon with Issachar. He said this about these two tribes, this one that was a haven for ships and this one that had this beautiful valley stretching to the Sea of Galilee. He said, draw from the abundance of your seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. Abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. I like that, treasures, the hidden treasures. Jesus said this, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and where thieves break in, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Moses said of Zebulun and Issachar, they can, they can search out the treasures of the sand, the abundance, the riches of the sand. Paul said this about Jesus. He said, in Jesus are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in Jesus. We can go to Jesus. We can seek out the abundance of wisdom, the treasures of wisdom, the treasures of knowledge in Jesus. Then we come to the tribe of Asher, verse 24. It says this, the fifth lot came out to the tribe 
of Asher according to their clans. Jacob spoke of Asher. He said this, his food will be rich and he will yield royal delicacies. Moses said this about him, let him dip his foot in oil. Asher, your bars will be strong as iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. You know, when Mary and Joseph dedicated Jesus, they brought him to the temple, uh, and there they met a woman from the tribe of Asher. Her name was Anna. Anna had been a widow for many years. The Bible tells us that she spent day and night fasting and praying and seeking the Lord in... uh, in the temple, and she was now in her 80s. And here this woman from the tribe of Asher, when Jesus was brought into the temple, she immediately recognized him. She said, this is the Messiah. She prophesied regarding Jesus. And Anna was a woman who was filled with the Holy Spirit. In her 80s, she had made the house of God her dwelling day and night. Now of Asher, the Lord said this, or or. Moses said this, let let him dip his foot in oil. It speaks of the unction, the power, the working of the Holy Spirit. Anna was a woman filled with the Spirit. And Jesus was a man filled with the Spirit. The Bible tells us that after he had been baptized and he came up out of the water and the Spirit descended on him in the form of the dove, that, that the Spirit of God drove him, led him, into the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil. We know this. Jesus was a man led of the Spirit, sometimes led into hard places by the Spirit, sometimes to places that were a challenge, sometimes to the places of blessing. Jesus was led of the Spirit, and Jesus said this, that anyone who asks in his name to him, the Father will give the Spirit. He will give the Spirit. And our strength, like like Asher, Asher's strength came from his foot being dipped in oil here. That's what it says, that he'll be strong like iron and bronze because his foot is dipped in oil. Our strength comes from relying on Jesus who makes us people of the Spirit, people who rest and trust in the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the tribe of Asher. Then then we got here the, the tribe of Naphtali, verse 32 of chapter 19. The sixth lot came out for the people of Naphtali. For the people of Naphtali, according to their clans. Jacob spoke of this son. He said this. He's going to bear beautiful young, like a doe giving birth to its fawns. Moses spoke of Naphtali and said, Naphtali is is sated with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord. And he said, Possess the lake and the, and the land of the south. Naphtali's uh, portion was full of the blessing of the Lord, and they had this land. The land that they had was the entire western shore of the Sea of Galilee and down along the Jordan River. Isaiah prophesied that this land, that the land of Naphtali would see a great light, that the land actually of both Zebulun and Naphtali would see a great light, that those living in darkness uh, would be brought into the light. And of course, this is the land of Galilee. This is where Jesus did his ministry. You know, basically, Jesus spent all of his time in the region of Naphtali, except when he would go to Jerusalem. 
a land of great darkness saw light. You know, you might even feel like you showed up to church this morning and you feel like, man, I'm living in darkness in a world that's dark. I feel like I've just been surrounded by dark, darkness this week. I'm feeling a little bit depressed, a little bit beat up. Look at if that's you. Jesus especially wants to bless you today. These people who lived in darkness saw great light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. Then the very last lot, verse 40, says this, the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the people of Dan according to their clans. Moses spoke, Jacob actually didn't bless his son Dan. Moses spoke of Dan and he said this about Dan. Dan is like a lion's club, a lion's cub that leaps from Bashan. Dan's an interesting story. Whenever we go to Israel, I, one, of the, one of my teaching assignments is to teach about Dan, and I love teaching about Dan. It's a, just amazing pictures of the tribe of Dan in Scripture. Dan was to settle in the south coast, like in Joppa, where Jonah had fled from. Remember when Jonah fled before going off on that ship and getting swallowed by a whale? Dan was to settle in that same region down by the, the Gaza Strip. And just like Jonah... Dan ended up fleeing from the presence of God. And instead of taking possession of his land, Dan went to the north of Israel and uh, lay hold of a, a chunk of land there because the southern area was just too difficult for them to control. They were fighting with the Philistines all the time. So they went where it was easier. At least that's what they thought. That was the heart of Dan. Dan did this. Dan went to where life was easy rather than to where God had called him. And instead of, you know, getting to participate in this life of ease, what happened is this, is that Dan got really involved in idolatrous worship. Dan was amongst the, the, uh, the leaders of those who formed the second golden calf and led the ten tribes of Israel off into uh, idolatrous worship. And Dan was continually, continually, continually facing attack from the enemy. And I think about Dan, you know, Dan tried to avoid the struggle of God's calling and instead they put themselves in a worse situation. In the Garden of Gethsemane, with the weight of sin coming down upon him, knowing that the cross lay ahead of him, Jesus, knowing all that was coming down the pipe, Matthew tells us he went and he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and Matthew uh, chapter 26 tells us that going further into the garden, he, he fell on his face and he prayed, My father, if it is at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then Matthew tells us a second time, and Jesus went and he prayed and he, and he said, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will be done. You know, Dan took the easy way out. Jesus didn't. Jesus did not take the easy way out to save you and I. He went to the cross. He died. He was buried. And he was risen from the dead. He didn't take the easy way to save you and I. 
And you know, if we had the time to go over and read each one of the descriptions of these tribes, what you'd see is this, that every single one of these tribes, it tells us that they failed to fully drive out the enemy that was in their region. But not Jesus. Jesus faithfully fulfilled everything the Father sent him to accomplish. I think about that. You know, here's these tribes. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. They were to be the people of God who represented God to all the nations of the earth. They were to be instruments of God's justice. They were to live lives set apart unto God. And, And what Scripture just tells us is this, that every single one of these tribes failed. They all fell short of the glory of God. They didn't drive out the enemy. But Jesus did. Jesus faithfully fulfilled everything that the Father sent him to accomplish. And I think where we're going to end off here is just to read the end of chapter 19 because I think this is a great picture of Jesus as we read about Joshua receiving his inheritance. Joshua's a great picture of Jesus. All these tribes received their inheritance. And now Joshua finally is the leader of God's people is going to receive his last of all. He made sure everybody else got their inheritance and then Joshua is going to receive his. So check out verse 49. When they had finished it, when they had finished distributing the several territories of the land as inheritances, the people of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. By the command of the Lord, they gave him the city that he asked. Timnath, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he rebuilt the city and he settled in it. These are the inheritances that Eliezer, the priest of Joshua, the priest and Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel distributed by lot at Shiloh before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the land. Only after everyone else had received their inheritance, after everyone else, then Joshua got his territory. He got what belonged to him. And it's interesting that the area that Joshua took was not a piece of easy land. This was a tough chunk of land uh, to take. And it's, it's an awesome picture because just like Jesus, Joshua didn't take the easy way out. Joshua, the leader of God's people, he chose hard ground to take. He picked one of the most difficult spots to win for the people of God. And Jesus... Jesus didn't take the easy way out, church. He went to the cross for us. And Philippians chapter 2 tells us that we're to have the same heart and mind that Jesus had. That in humility, Jesus came. He gave up his rights. He died on the cross in order to seek and save the lost, in order to seek and save sinners like you and I. And Timnath Sarah, this land that he took literally means this. The abundant portion. The abundant portion. Because abundance, Joshua took this line, because abundance is found when we lay down our rights, we lay down our lives. You know, it's the hard stuff, this hard ground that brought out abundance for Joshua. And it's the hard stuff that brings out the abundance Jesus has for you and I. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and to have it more abundantly. I have an abundant portion for you, Jesus would say to you. 
And abundance is found by walking in the Spirit, seeking first the kingdom of God, taking possession of the inheritance that's allotted for you and not giving up. Joshua captured Timnath Sarah. Jesus took on a greater assignment. And he captured our hearts. And him we serve. You know, I think about these chapters and I just want to leave you just with a couple thoughts really quickly. And then Martin's going to come. We're going to close in a song. First thought's this. Look, at, as I read this, I just think this. There is no unwillingness on the part of God to bless his people. No unwillingness on, on God's part to give to his people. And the interesting thing, I think what we see in this scripture is this, is that, that God's people can take hold of as much as they want in the Lord. As much as they want. You know, the, the tribes that didn't drive out the enemy, it had nothing to do with their inability or the lack of power in the Lord. It just simply was this. They, they didn't lay hold of that which God had for them. We can take hold of as much as we want. Jesus is the fulfillment. What I, what I just see in, this, in these texts as we consider all of these tribes, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that we need. All of Scripture, front to back, points to Jesus. And He needs to be at the center of our lives and at the center of our church. And so let's just pray this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to invite Martin to come. We're going to close in a song.